Hi, this is Carla Aganiga, and I want to thank you for listening to Latitude, a podcast about the built environment. I want to start by honoring the indigenous ancestors of the land on which the Ward Willits House stands. This house is located on borrowed land, on the traditional homeland of the Council of the Three Fires, the Ojibwe, the Ottawa, and the Potawatomi nations. Many other tribes such as the Miami, Ho-Chunk, Menominee, Sac, and Fox also called this area home. Indigenous Americans continue to live in the region, and Chicago is home to the country's third largest urban American Indian community, which still practice their heritage and traditions, including care for land and waterways. Throughout this episode, we will learn about how the prairie landscape has evolved thanks to the indigenous tribes. The Ward Willits House is located in Highland Park, a suburb northeast of Chicago on the coast of Lake Michigan. The house was designed in 1901 by Frank Lloyd Wright. It's been recognized in the National Registry of Historic Places because it's the first prairie-style home designed by Wright. If you're an architect or designer, you know a lot about Frank Lloyd Wright. You know him because of the concept of organic architecture, which we'll get to in a little bit. If you're an arts person, you know him because he's the guy behind the iconic Guggenheim Museum in New York. But if you're not a designer, I can guarantee you've experienced his work in either your home, workspace, or in a public building. You know, big open rooms, roof that extend out, exposed brick or stucco, wood paneling. Gotta love that wood paneling. What about the carport? You know, it's like a open garage. It covers your car like a little roof. I know you've seen these on either hotel or hospital entrances, or maybe in one of your houses. What about the ranch-style home that is so iconically suburban? Yes, those are little architectural descendants of Frank Lloyd Wright's work. Since sheltering in place, I've been more and more aware of my surroundings. I look at the little details in the wood paneling of my kitchen. I find myself more observant of the materials around me. This got me thinking about the spaces we inhabit. Where did this all come from? How did this evolve? While Frank Lloyd Wright did not influence every single part of my built environment, he did influence architecture in a tremendous way, starting with the prairie style. My name is Michelangelo Sabatino. My title is Professor and Director of the PhD Program in Architecture at the College of Architecture of the Illinois Institute of Technology. And I am also the inaugural John Vinci Distinguished Research Fellow. Frank Lloyd Wright was uh, an incredibly talented architect who sort of advocated for what we now call organic architecture. And that was a, a concept that he uh, conceived uh, in the first decade of the 20th century. He actually um, speaks explicitly about uh, organic architecture um, in a series of articles that uh, he writes for Architectural Record. He says, uh, I still believe that the ideal of an organic architecture 
forms the origin and source, the strength and fundamentally the significance of everything ever worthy, the name of architecture. This was published in uh, 1914 in the May uh, issue of the Architectural Record. And what makes this significant is that he's not only talking about um, so-called modern architecture, the architecture uh, period in which the uh, Ward Willis House was completed, but he's also thinking about the entire trajectory of architecture um, and that's what makes him uh, very interesting. So it, this idea, and he goes on to say, by organic architecture, I mean an architecture that develops from within outward in harmony with the conditions of its being as distinguished from one that is applied from without. So he's basically saying that great architecture should, and architects should think about the plan um, and think outward as opposed to applying some uh, preconceived idea of so-called style. Now, you know, during the late 19th century, a lot of architects were sort of doing buildings that relied on a sort of um, cookie cutter kind of application of styles, historic styles, whether it's neo-Gothic or uh, neo-Renaissance. Um, I mean, it's not as simple as that, but basically those were the kind of, in the architects that Wright was targeting uh, in his um, sort of criticism. And of course, he, you know, the, the American architects that uh, he did uh, appreciate uh, as being the sort of originators of a kind of so-called organic architecture with people like uh, H. H. Richardson and of course, Louis Sullivan, who, with, for whom he worked. So we, you know, we walk in the front door here, and uh, you know we we turn to the right, and there's a small little alcove, you know, you, that you see. There's some old pictures for you. This is what the place looked like. Uh, this picture is probably taken probably 120 years ago, maybe. Obviously, we don't have that many trees anymore. Many of these trees are right there, are, uh, are firewood right now because they were blown over, you know, over the years. The Ward Willits House is the first great prairie style house that Frank Lloyd Wright designed. Frank Lloyd Wright wanted to build a big, great house, a mansion that was going to be nothing but prairie style. But it took him a couple of years to find somebody who had the money, the interest, and the land to do it. So Mr. Willits was the vice president of a foundry. He was the head of this, the Westlake Foundry in Chicago. And you know he worked his way up to the top and became a very wealthy, well-to-do man. And he had the money, the land, and the interest, and you know he agreed to do this. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the Ravinia Musical Festival they have in Chicago. He's one of the founders. And we're coming in here. This is the living room. It's pretty large. See, if you come over here, this was taken around the turn of the century. So you can see it's not all that different. It's almost like going back in time. This is what it looked like if you were here in 1902. Isn't it something? It's a very large room. There's a big fireplace over here. This house has, has three fireplaces in it. It's all masonry, you know? It's, you got brick, and then you have the brick on the floor, you know, the, you know in the fire pit itself. And there's a reason for that. Because Frank Wright didn't want you to use, you know, one of these log holders, those metal log holders. He wanted the fire burning on the bricks because it would heat up the bricks. 
and it, and it radiates heat throughout the house, okay? And so, if you can come around here, you can sit now we're going into the dining room. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's like a, a triangle on the end, okay? And the idea behind this is Frank Lloyd Wright says, why do you, he goes, most houses are boxes, you know, four walls, window on every wall. Boring. He goes, why can't you put a window in a corner? You can't. And that, that excuse me, and that's what, exactly what he did. He says, it lets vision out and lets sunlight in. Here, you want to try sitting in this chair? Okay, now you, it doesn't look comfortable, does it? But it's not that bad. It's not that bad, is it? Is that bad? No. No, it feels but, all right. But I don't know if I could sit in here like a full three-hour dinner. Yeah, it might, it, might, it might be rough. You know, but people think it looks like a medieval torture device. I said, but it's really, it's not. You know, I mean, it's actually good. But again, Frank doesn't care about, you know, if you're comfortable. Yeah, you know, he, he goes, well, you know, then stand. You know, there's the old joke about somebody complaining about the roof leaking. And Frank Lloyd Wright says, move your chair. Yeah, that's the kind of guy he was. Yeah, there's a band, the band of windows. This is what makes it one of the great houses. If, if, you, could, if you look at the window, you'll, you'll see that these, in some of the, the window panes are slightly distorted. When you look out, you see the distortion. That's old glass. Okay, modern glass is crystal clear. You look through it, boom. All right, the old glass is what they call sandblown glass. And it has, you know, and, and it has waves in it. So it just kind of looks wavy, you know, like when you're looking out the window. You, you, see, you see what I'm, what I'm talking about? If yeah, you look, there's distortion, almost like a ripple effect. It almost right. looks like water. That's all, yeah, that's old glass. You know, and, it's, and, it, and it has like, you know, imperfections in it. Here's another fireplace in a dining room. So you get that fireplace going, you get this fireplace going, and, this, uh, and these bricks warm up, and it radiates heat throughout the house. And then up in, I'll show you upstairs, there's, there's another fireplace up there. So, okay, so this is the dining room. My name is Thomas Hines, UCLA Professor Emeritus of History and Architecture and Urban Design. Yes. Well, as, as we know, Frank Lloyd Wright didn't just spring into being. Frank Lloyd Wright uh, had um, studied at the University of Wisconsin. Then he had come to Chicago and had managed somehow to get a job with Louis Sullivan, uh, one of the other great uh, architects of, in the modern architecture canon. And he, he later uh, was a mentor of, of architects like Irving Gill, who also worked in that office, and Wright was his supervisor. So he was not only learning from Sullivan, he was also passing that on to architects such as Irving Gill. Now, from there, he went out on his own. He did a number of clearly uh, what what uh, uh, buildings that we would not yet term modern uh, they, he had a lot of um, you know maybe this is the, due to the clients he had a 
My name is Michael Avalosset. I am an assistant research scientist and an environmental archaeologist with the Illinois State Archaeological Survey at the Prairie Research Institute. Here in the eastern edge of the Great Plains, kind of in, in the east called the Eastern Tallgrass Prairie, that includes uh, a good chunk of the state of Illinois. And when they put these records together, they can see how the prairie came about during, uh, during you know, dry periods in, 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 in prehistory. But the prairie, as it is today, really came about about five or 6,000 years ago. And what's interesting is that um, ecologists uh, look back to historical time, historical records, which again only get us the last four, 400 years or so. 
And when they look back to those time periods, they see that Native Americans uh, were critical components of these prairie ecosystems. Uh, Native American tribes, uh, historically, and some of the tribes who lived in the area of the greater Chicago area, uh, groups like the Ojibwe, the Ho-Chunk, the Potawatomi, the Ottawa, the Sauk, the Fox, the Kickapoo, lots and lots of different tribes. Um, but when we look at the, 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 the observations that people made of them, they were using fire uh, to manage uh, the prairie, setting fire uh, to small parts of the prairie, sometimes large parts, in order to support uh, herbivores. So uh, large grazing animals like the American bison, and uh, in some cases there would, there would be also be elk, uh, as, as well as deer. Uh, so to help support, um, you know, by burning the prairie, you uh, actually in, uh, make the new grass that grows out uh, is much more nutritious, and certain certain animals, particularly bison, really prefer that type of grass. So ecologists have recognized that Native Americans were burning the prairie, but ecologists hadn't quite worked out just how uh, that dynamic would have worked uh, deeper in time. And the interesting thing is when we look at the prairie having originated, at least on this eastern edge of it, only in the last 5,000 years, is that Native Americans their, and their ancestors have been in the New World, and there's archaeological evidence for them in this part of the world, for at least the last 12,000 years. So that means we have about 5,000 years where archaeologists have, are, have identified archaeological materials uh, reflecting Native American um, behavior and, and use of these environments from when before there was prairie to when the prairie emerged and then how it's persisted through time. As a researcher who recognizes for Native Americans to have had these kinds of impacts on the landscape and acknowledges their, or their histories of being in these places uh, for thousands of years, uh, we have to start asking ourselves, how can we potentially identify uh, when did this coupling uh, the bringing together of people in their environment uh, to where we can't really think of one without the other, uh, when did that really begin? I feel it because organic architecture means you're using wood, glass, stone. And that's what this house is made of. So it's a living thing. This house is, you know, it's organic. It's, you know, it's alive. You know, and it has, this house actually has its own personality. I know that sounds crazy, but it, but it actually does. Living here changes you a little bit. You know, because now you're a, a lot more aware, or at least I am a lot more aware of my surroundings. It makes you a lot more sensitive to what, you know, goes on around you. I notice things. That's a change that, you know, that living here is has uh, made in me. It's an experience. I'm living in art. That's the greatest thing. That's what really makes it all worth it. I mean, it's not pleasant living here a lot. I mean, you know, there's a lot of problems. A lot of things go wrong. You know, it's virtually impossible to keep clean. You know, it can be, it can be cold in the winter. It can be hot in the summer. Um, requires more work than I could, you know, possibly tell you. But, but I'm living in art. Right introduces a certain level of materiality and elements that resonate deeply. For example, 
he typically introduces a hearth, a, a brick hearth, typically with some stone accents. Uh, so a big fireplace in the center of homes. And so this is a very important dimension of uh, Frank Lloyd Wright's domestic architecture because it allows people to gather around warmth. So you had the possibility to gather with your family um, around a hearth, perhaps read, perhaps talk, perhaps snack. And so all of this kind of primordial relationship with fire right, within the home uh, has a lot of uh, emotional resonance, right? And the fact that the materials that he uses um, tend to be organic, you know, uh, wood, brick, all sort of resonate.